0: The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the support of New Gen Audio with Mike Thornton, James Ivy, and Audrey Martinovich.
1: Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast number 381. It's August 6, 2019. I'm Mike Thornton.
0: I'm James Ivey.
2: And I'm Andrey Martinovich. New Gen Audio provides award-winning tools for audio analysis, mixing, and mastering, used by the world's top names in music, broadcast, and post-production. The Nugent Audio Focus Bundle is a suite of plugins designed for stereo enhancement and low-frequency control. Stereoizer enables natural-sounding stereo widening and enhancement, while Stereo Placer allows you to focus in on specific frequencies within your tracks and reposition them within the stereo field. In addition, Monofilter can be used to solidify and centralize your bass frequencies, whilst preserving the spatial quality of your stereo high-end. Nugent audio are running a special offer exclusively for production expert podcast listeners to get a $100 voucher that can be used on any Nugent audio bundle and to learn more about Nugent audio and use the voucher click on the link in the podcast article or go to com slash expert
0: at this point, Audrey, Mike, I know you've not been to Nam, but it's—I suspect it's very similar around the other trade shows. Audrey, when you were at Nam in January, mm-hmm. yeah. did you ever get to watch any of the Nam dailies that were on the TV screens around the around the around the um, exhibition center?
2: I don't think I did. No.
0: Um, I, I, I say, girl, there's a woman who uh, I thought she was specific to Nam, but she's not because my sister-in-law goes to a show at, at um, the Anaheim Convention Center. And it's the same woman doing the voice, doing the reads. <gasps> oh, really? And she is absolute. She can make you believe whatever she is reading from the the teleprompter. What's what's the word I'm really looking for? The auto cue, auto cue. That's oh, the yeah. one. Um, she has just got the most amazing auto cue voice for any subject. Yeah, you are oh, completely nice. inca- in captured by her knowledge of everything. Um, so yeah, some of these these reads are um, at best challenging, aren't
1: they? Yeah, they are. Because <laughs> uh, unfortunately, they also tend not to be written by people who write for speaking.
0: Yes,
2: indeed. Right. Well, Any- and my personal issue is the the uh, slightly spelling changes between uh. American <laughs> English. So when I see an S, I'm like, oh, that's going to be a Z sound today.
0: Yes, American English. Now there's a constitution yes, simplifying yeah.
2: English as it's called. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Marvellous. Let's uh, move along to our talking points, and these are sponsored by Universal Audio. Good morning, children. This is Fab Dupont. The Pro Tools Expert podcast talking points are brought to you with the support of Universal Audio. Build your own custom bundle of any 3, 6, or 10 UAD plugins for one low price and save over 60%. Just pick your bundle option and then select your plugins instantly. For more information, take a look at the link in the podcast notes. So, first talking point: um, Russ has really been trying to do a number of changes, little and small and many, uh, including uh, having a new wardrobe effectively because he's lost 50 pounds mm-hmm. in weight. Uh, A new wardrobe costing more than that. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and also trying to be more um, efficient with his use of time. Uh, Audrey, how, do you sort of manage your time in in any way using some sort of tool to track what you're doing for whom?
2: Uh, a little bit. It's it's super rudimentary. It's not actually an app, but we have a clipboard that we keep in the studio. Uh, it's our studio log. So we write with the date and then uh, what time we kind of effectively clock in on a project. Um, who the client is, what work we were doing, um, and then what time we're done, and you know, there's some like billing information there too, like what their rate is and invoice number when we get to that point. Um, but that is pretty much it. It's mostly used just for uh, tracking actual like studio time, um, and so that that was kind of a, a point of interest for me with Russ's article is that I realize I do not track how much time I email people. Um, I don't track. You know, I do track like some setup time and things like that, but creating input lists, figuring out gear—I I don't really track much of that. And that is a big part of a project you do for somebody. And so I was kind of thinking, like, oh, I should probably probably start doing that a little bit. Um, as far as he mentions like you know getting off of social media and stuff like that i actually did set a screen time alert on my phone so it, my phone will actually lock down and not let me be on social media if i hit 120 minutes in a day um it'll disable facebook messenger snapchat instagram twitter like everything um and it's kind of my way of saying all right you you've you're enough uh, you, you've been on here too much today um but i'm really intrigued by these apps that he's mentioned um, what about what about you, James? Have you used any apps to track time like that?
0: It's confession time. I was the pe- <laughs> I was the person Russ was speaking to. Um, oh. <laughs> so uh, up until that point, no, absolutely not. That is not my world. I am the world's worst at a. A thing. The one thing I am, I think I'm quite good at is prioritizing. I Mm -hmm. will see, I will look at the job list for the day and I'll go, right, that has to be done first because of knock on effect or yada, yada, yada. So, in actual management of doing the job and getting things done, I'd like to think I'm pretty good. However, actually managing the time doing the thing. Oh God, no, that's so not my (laughs) world. Um, The closest I get now is when I'm doing a task that I know is going to take an um, an amount of time, let's say more than half an hour. I do make a note of when I started it because I am a a notepad kind of guy. I have notepads Mm -hmm. for everything. Um, And so at the end of a day, I will make a list of the things I need to achieve the following day. Um, or to finish or whatever, which is, you know, has been done for the day because I've pretty much, other than the podcast, now finished. Um, but I will now, I've now started putting in my my diary, my calendar app, which is obviously forward, think, forward facing normally. Um, I've started... Um, putting actions in that have already happened. So if I've spent two hours on a project or two hours on a mix or half an hour doing invoicing or whatever, I'll just block mm-hmm. those out as things that have happened in my day. Um, I think that's about as close as I can get for now. I'm not going to commit to anything more than that because it's been quite a big leap to even do that, to you know, note anything down that I've done during the day rather than just getting things actually done. Um, one of the biggest organizers if you like and i do mean big was putting a um dirty great big whiteboard dry whiteboard on the back of one of the doors in the studio and gridding it up with the various tasks i have to do throughout a month or throughout a quarter Mm -hmm. and as long as that by the end of the quarter or by the end of the time period that i set there's an awful lot of ticks or check marks in those boxes then the world's a good place and i get paid um if there's checkboxes missing, then I need to make sure that those go on my priority list for the following day and get filled mm-hmm. in, and so I can get paid. So I do have a system. It's not automated and online mm-hmm. and, and lovely, but there is a system there. Promise.
2: Well, and I like that you you mentioned prioritizing because I have found myself saying, um, you know, if I'm in into- a place where I'm kind of procrastinating like, oh, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Um, And I've tried to change that thinking to say it's not a priority right now. Um, And if I say that and I sound like a jerk, then it probably should be a priority and I should try to make the time for it. And that's just how I've been internally deciding like, okay, do I actually have to do this now? Or can it really wait? You know, that that kind of thing.
0: Do I run up to deadlines? Hell yeah. Because I think that's what as creatives, I think we do. I don't know anyone in our industry who do- doesn't l- not leave everything to the last minute, but certainly run up to deadlines on things and right. say, right, it has to be submitted at four o'clock. Therefore, I'll actually submit it at 3.49, um, 59 even. Just run, <laughs> run close, closer. Um, but I, think, I don't think that's through... Anything other than I want this to be the best it can be, and the very best it can be is the last moment at which it can be. Right. It, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, de- I'm desperately trying to be more organised in my studio business life as well as in my mm-hmm. studio creative life. Um, I've also put some other systems in place to, you know, track. Um, track clients I'm, I'm not as far as like you know kind of crm um customer relationship management or anything like that yet but i am putting systems in place that i will write about at some point um to make sure if a lead comes in or i get a sniff of a job it gets followed up and it gets tracked and it gets followed and right. not pestered so much but you know people know where i am for getting work and hopefully that will t- do more of a um conversion rate from just sending out loads of leads and stuff into actual paid work which is always good no
1: that's a very good point because you know so often we just concentrate on the job in hand the booking that we've got but if we don't as as freelancers if we don't actually try and follow up and and effectively chase upcoming work you know then ultimately the diary is more than likely to, become somewhat empty because isn't the
0: phrase you're only mm-hmm. as good as your last job
1: oh absolutely yeah. but 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 i think to do it, again that has to do it, largely do with the the quality of what you do and of course our industry is so small that if you make one make mistake then yeah it, the word gets out people remember the the mess ups the screw ups um mm-hmm.
0: i think one i think one mistake is forgivable Depending on how you resolve that mistake, Absolutely. right? I, yeah. I think yeah. at that point, the story might get. We out, all make but mistakes. Cl- but, yeah, but the client mm. will know how you got out of got out of jail. You know, and the- um, we've all been there. As you say, we we've mm-hmm. all had those moments of oh god, how am I going to get out of this one? And it's um, I, I've had it with, with, with repeat clients. You know, you think oh mm. my god, I've just lost a client who is really good, and they've come back because as well. You know. We all make mistakes. It's how, how do you get out of them? How do you recover from them? So, Absolutely,
1: because mm-hmm. uh, for my view is if you make a mistake, first thing you do is hold your hands up and, and own up. Yes. The second thing you do is fix it. And then the third thing you do is you go the extra mile. So you don't mm-hmm. just fix it. You do more than or you do something. And um, my view at that point is what the client remembers is not that you screwed up, but you went the extra mile to to fix it. What they go away with is a positive thought, a positive mm-hmm. recollection, rather than a negative re- recollection. So when they're talking, about, hey, have you ever worked with that Mike Thornton? Well, yeah, you did. And yeah, there was a problem, and he made sure it was right, and he did the extra, and he did that. and, the, and So even though, effectively, there was a mistake, what they're talking about is the resolution and going the extra mile and that's what I I like people to remember not that I made the mm-hmm. mistake
0: a great phrase i heard the other day was everything up to the butt is forgotten yes and it goes say so in this particular case it was i worked with that guy mike thornton there was a problem but he fixed it and the the bit people hear is he oh, fixed it mm. not um not that there was a problem yeah um mm-hmm. I I heard it in another context, but actually, that way it works perfectly well as well. Mm. But um, uh, getting back to the whole time management thing and all that, we are—you know—we're not wired that way. We're not wired like accountants or lawyers or people who Mm. who um, get paid. I'd like to say we get paid on results, not by the time we put into it. Now, I I appreciate that that is not a 21st century business way of looking at what we do. And that's maybe something I have to get over as a quote unquote studio business owner, rather than just someone who likes being in my studio. Because, hey, I do quite like being in my studio. I want my clients, as Mike just said, to have the best possible experience, even if I mess up, or I want them to go away and go, he did this, it was great, he went the extra mile on every project because I want those customers mm-hmm. to keep coming back and keep and keep liking what I do. Um, but there is definitely, if you are going to be successful at this industry, and I, I don't very often use the word music and industry together because I don't believe that the two go hand in hand. Normally in industry, the harder you work, the better you do. That is not necessarily the case in our industry. <laughs> um, I think long-term
1: it is, because the reality is the people who cut corners... Eventually, will get caught out. Yes, I, yeah, and I'm again, like, we get back to that. the I'll small. In yeah, you know, this it's a small industry. But in the meantime, whilst they're getting away with it, it's very annoying, shall we say? Yes,
0: and mm-hmm. and, and the, the the scary thing about that is we all know these people who you go, God, I wouldn't work with them, and yet they're still working,
2: mm. right? But
0: I wonder how much repeat business exactly, they get. and I suspect it's not very much. And in an industry as small as ours. Um, I, I'm continuously amazed at how many times through the miracle of social media someone says, "Oh, do you know so and so?" So yeah, and I know I know them. I've done work for them, and you realize they're not even on your side of the planet, for example. Mm. So yes. this is a very very small industry with a mm-hmm. very small group of people who are who are at the the coal face making a living um, with systems like Russ in place has put into place, and you know. Simple systems. We're not talking about incredibly expensive computerised data tracking. of you know. We're not talking about um, an Amazon warehouse here. We're probably talking a couple of people at most in a space keeping track of what they're doing. Um, it's not difficult. You just have to remember to do it. And that's one of the biggest mm-hmm. things I'm finding, that actually remembering to track and log what I'm doing. Once the system has been in place for a while and once... It's it's not even something I think about. It's it's not even a habit. It's just something you do. You go, how did I ever live without this? And it's right. it's making those habits, well, making them beyond habits. Just making them part of the system, part of the workflow. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm still a work in progress on that one. I think. <laughs>
2: you know, I, I just heard a, an interesting like uh, a bit. I guess it was even if you can't do something a hundred percent, and you can only do it fifty percent. You're still a hundred percent better off than you were than if you had just not done anything mm. at all. Yeah. So I th- I think that kind of goes back to Russ's point about these you know little little steps. You know, like um, I-, I got a Fitbit because I realized that I was sitting in front of my computer all day and not even realizing where the day went. So this thing actually just reminds me to get up every hour and I need that kind of reminder. And um, like Russ, I've actually lost a bunch of weight too, although I'm not as vocal about it as he is. Um, And it is just like a culmination of a bunch of little decisions like that, like realizing, oh, I have this habit of blowing off this kind of task that I have to do? Why is that? Should I just schedule myself two hours every Monday to do emails, marketing, client follow-ups, like whatever? Do you actually have to put that on a calendar or is a list better for you or some kind of reminder in your phone? Like, I think finding a system that helps you get there, even if it's small steps, will eventually put you in a better place.
0: Monday morning tasks, I call those.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The stuff, the stuff
0: that I, I, I'm i maybe not feeling 100% in my creative zone, in my creative yeah. space at that point, but things just have to get done. Mm. Um, exactly. You maybe have um, some emails have landed over the weekend, some stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I don't tend to work at the weekends anymore because, hey, I have a family to look have, after. Exactly. And <laughs> be with. Um, and I've I had 14, 15 years of doing…
2: Put in your time.
0: Yeah, I, I've done my weekends, <laughs> and I say before that I was in holiday camps and ships and stuff where you do, you worked seven days a week. So anyway, um, I, I, I try not to look too much at my phone over the weekend. Um, I still get my weekly report from Apple and say you looked at your phone nine million hours this week. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And then I see the number of social <laughs> the, the the social media. Portion
2: versus the useful things
0: portion, right?
1: Um, so what? Hang on, th- th- you're talking about something that I. What's this report from from Apple? Your
2: have your, oh, your it's phone like screen time, screen time.
1: All uh, oh, right. Uh, how, yeah. how old's your phone, Mike? Uh, well, it's um, SE, so it's quite a while then. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm on sure. current
1: iOS. I mean, okay. I'm not. It's, it's not in, that old. On my yeah, phone, it's in your and your I, settings. I suspect.
0: Audrey's as well um mm-hmm. every Sunday morning I get a report telling me um how I did for screen time overall during the week how I did per day what I looked at was it social media was it actually useful apps I can't remember what the term is they, they mm. use the um, productivity productivity that's yes. the one so um
2: it tells you how many times you pick up your phone and yeah. what the first thing is that oh. you look at
0: uh. It's also, yeah, that—that's always
2: a big number.
0: You get get some of, get those numbers down. Watch your pro- productivity go up. I suspect, and say that's yeah. the one thing I'm uh-huh. trying to do. I'm actually remembering to turn my phone on to silent. Um, one of the things I really want to put in place, and I can't really do it here, and I can't really do it on a work day where I'm here on my own, but certainly when I have a client day is something that I want to put into place that we did at... Um, okay, here's the first ping of the day. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's going to be more of these. There are, yeah. When I was down at, in South of France at Studio La Fabrique on Mixed with the Masters, everybody take a drink. Um, they have a box outside the studio where you have to put your phone before yes! you go in. What a brilliant idea. Mm. Um, because you're not being distracted by Auntie Flo's 97th birthday pictures and um, messages from two years ago about stuff that you've forgotten you did and, and all that sort of stuff that's really, really important in a work day.
2: <laughs> um,
0: so actually, yeah, next studio, I'm going to have a box with a lock on it. So anyone who walks in has <laughs> to put their devices in it and we lock it. Um Let's see how far that idea goes, shall we? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the first person who needs a tuner app on their phone will be the one to grab it. <laughs> no, there's plenty of those
1: around here. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a list guy. Uh, I used to be lists on bits of paper, but I do now use um, reminders because I am I'm an mm-hmm. Apple person. So, and the great thing about that is it's available on whatever device I have to hand, whether it's my desktop, my laptop, my phone. And I yeah, you know, so I use it often when something comes to mind. I write, I write it down, ha Um, I tap it into my phone or whatever uh, immediately, uh, and so that I don't forget. Because one thing's, if I'm, I've got to remember this, got to remember that, got to remember that. Mm-hmm. And of course, you you're being distracted by trying to remember something. So even if I'm out walking, I'll often use Siri to basically, so I can talk into my phone. Um, so i'm not having to you know stop and concentrate on tapping into my phone just get the get the thought get the art uh, whatever it is in the system and then pick it up mm-hmm. but but I, I now have effectively two tasks based lists so i have tasks for today and i have tasks for this week uh and my pri- my prioritization um is i move things around the list so the things that need to be done first are at top of the list uh but it's still it's interesting you 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 talked about the prevarification and um yeah it's we have a phrase in this house phoning the nasty man now the nasty man (laughs) is never nasty i have to but it's the phone call you just want to put off No, no, i'll do it tomorrow right. do it it's that sort of that sort of thing i, I need to ring the doctors or i need to, whatever it is mm-hmm. it's and so yeah we've we've coined this phrase phoning the nasty man uh, and as i say if the person you're phoning is not nasty that's it's just the phone call you just don't want to do or whatever it is mm-hmm. Yeah, that oh i don't want to think about replying to that email it's just i, it, I have to think and yeah but but again as you say it's those so what i've done started doing on my email app because again i use apple's mail is flags so mm-hmm. if there's something that needs that needs my attention on my email um i flag it and again that means i've got one folder that i can look at and scan down thinking yes that needs attention so if somebody emails me Um, that I need to think about a response because I don't like responding instantaneously, especially, again, you know, coming back to the weekend and and so on and so forth. So Mm -hmm. I will flag it and then I will come back and uh, my aim is always to, you know, effectively to deal with all the the flagged emails and sort those out. But again, some of those end up being in the the nasty man uh, category because I just, oh... Don't really, that's a. I'm going to have to think about having to how I reply to this. That's a tricky one, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yes. Uh, so for me, that's how. So I don't actually do time management. Uh, in some respects, probably I should. I, I do get distracted, but again, you know, something crops up on the site that needs immediate attention, and obviously, we've got content coming in that needs checking and and planning and scheduling. And so there's all, lots of things that tend to crop up during the day that are mm-hmm. in quotes beyond my control. But again, it's it, it's how I manage that so that I because yeah the classic thing you know the email pings and you stop what you're doing and you go look at the email. Now nah, that that I, I I deliberately made sure that my phone does not make noises when my when email and stuff comes in because I don't want to be distracted mm-hmm. uh, when. Yeah, and and because if you're in, yeah, you know, if you're in the flow, you're in creative flow. The last thing you want to do, and again, I think that comes back down to putting the phone in, in the box outside. You don't want mm-hmm. to be distracted by, uh, by messages. Or, and again, this with this whole sort of electronic messaging, whether it's phones or Facebook or WhatsApp, um, whatever it is, there is an expectation now, because it can be delivered instantly. That people expect a response yep. instantly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So how, yeah, how did we ever survive before before mobile phones? Let's we not, turned up what we in. said we
1: would do <laughs> let's,
0: exactly. Let's, <laughs> let, I want. I remember. Remember one of my first pro gigs. I got a letter with all the info in it. Oh yeah. a check wow. in it. You know, Uh you will turn up here, you will get paid this much, here's the cheque, please don't, you know, please don't cash until after the gig. Um, This is the set list. You know, this was all done weeks in advance rather than minutes in advance sometimes. Yeah, I mean, Um, jobs, I would get call sheets.
1: And you, I mean, it was paper, mm. Uh, you, you know, so with all the information, who's on the job, when you've got to be there, what time, all the stuff. And then obviously, you know, in the sort of paperless society, those call sheets would turn off an email. But again, it was all really? that information that you needed to do the job when you needed to be there. Uh, yeah, now it, it's, it's well, yeah, it's a different world. <laughs> the thing, I'm not going to start digging into that
0: one. <laughs> I remember when we first, uh, when I was making pop videos for a living, when I left university, um, we'd, we'd just bought a whole load of Motorola walkie-talkies, um, which at the time were, you know, they're the they're the, yeah. the walkies that everybody yeah. has. Yeah. That the whole industry program all very things. easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, we probably I think we'd bought about thirty for different film shoots and stuff to be out on different jobs, and it was just at the time when mobiles were becoming everyone had a mobile, mm. and it was also just at the time when everyone's mobile battery was permanently flat. Because everyone in the film industry and in in productions was using their was on their phone all the time, Um, and so we probably had another five, six, seven years of hiring out walkie talkies for videos because you could just it was instant. Whereas now, I suspect that that market has just vanished—the walkie talkie um, market—because everyone now has phones that do instant messaging or instant voice teleportation recognition or certainly location shoots
1: full of radios. I mean you know um walkie talkies yeah Yeah, the the world needs dog and it's like one of the sound departments uh, because it's kind of vaguely audio we get responsible for for managing them and booking them in and booking them out and of course people bring them back or they just dump them somewhere and of course they're flat. Yeah um so there's certainly very much in you know in that environment and of course they could you know when you're on outside broadcasts or you you can tie those into you know the, the mobile trucks uh, comm systems and all the rest of it and it's it is still very much you know when you're actually on a job it is still very much the 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 verbal the audio communication thing i i, I suspect where things are you know, where the phone comes in use is is text messaging, you know, effectively silent conversations. Yeah, WhatsApp
0: and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's interesting how, you know, technology, we we all say, oh, isn't technology a marvellous thing? And yet, still we hark back. I mean, I, I still, uh, when I was at Sibelius, I would rather walk over to speak to someone. Oh, yes. Yeah. Than, than pick up the phone and dial their extension or... Or you know, send them a quick message. I would much rather go and talk to someone because there's no uh, there's no misconstruing
2: exactly the
0: way that the message is going to be received. Because if, if someone is confused, they generally have that look on their face, and they don't go they don't go diving off the wrong end of the handle when they don't quite understand what you mean, or all those sort of things that we we love social media for. At the same time, we hate it for. Um, yeah. Let's go back to the old days of actually working with people again, hey? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I think we should uh, move along.
1: Um, Audrey, what competitions have we got running at the moment?
2: Over the month of August 2019, we have two special competitions you don't want to miss out on. We've partnered with our friends at Antares to offer the production expert community three chances of winning a copy of Antares' new AutoTune EFX Plus plugin worth 199 $199. AutoTune EFX Plus provides so many amazing vocal tones that at times you'll feel as though you were using a VI or soft synth. This is a plugin that you'll want to experiment with both in tracking and mixing. For our next competition, in collaboration with EVE Audio, Production Expert is running a contest for a pair of SC203 desktop monitors worth $699. SC203 speakers are the perfect solution for desktop placement in small studio environments. Featuring EVE Audio's unique micro AMT tweeter and passive radiator technology, these monitors pack a huge punch for their size. To be in with a chance of winning either of these competitions, follow the link in the podcast notes.
1: Okay, second talking point uh, is all about audio production training courses. Uh, we've got so much free material out there. We produce quite a bit. Um uh, there's obviously stuff all over youtube facebook and google so you know we we asked whether the paid options for training have sort of kind of had their time or not um change Jane- your glasses
0: <laughs>
1: i mean obviously one as some uh, yeah we're obviously as production expert as production experts and protocols expert we produce quite a lot of free uh, training material we try i mean the whole ethos of the site here is to produce mm-hmm. as much of the content as we possibly can uh, free at the point of use um Obviously, we all need to pay mortgages and look after families and all the rest of it. So, there are some things that we do need to charge for. But wherever possible, we try and make as much of what we do free as uh, free so that you can get access to it. But of course, free doesn't always mean uh, good. And it, again, I suppose it's a little frustrating when, you know, as someone in this sort of effectively the audio training business. I you look at stuff on YouTube and you think that's wrong Mm -hmm. I wouldn't agree with that and you think this you know this is going out people are you know people may well be taking this as as correct um so yeah it, it I mean it's like a lot of things as a consumer you need to be aware that uh you need to choose your your sources and uh choose sources that you trust and respect and other people trust and respect because of course if you're going for training material it kind of implies you're looking to find out and learn about something you don't know about so you 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 don't have the access at well that i don't agree with that that's not right you know i know that's not right because If you're going through a training process, by inherently you're looking at something you don't know about, and therefore you don't have the advantage Mm -hmm. of your own opinion in terms of whether something's right or not. You you might say, well, that doesn't quite ring true, but you're not sure. So again, good recommendations from others that you trust in terms of free training resources is what I would recommend. I would, of course, always recommend what we produce, but... um, Mm -hmm that's a slightly different thing uh, and so yes that certainly in terms of paid online uh, training um, we as production expert have our premium tutorial um, content most of which effectively you can access by paying one uh, monthly subscription and again you're not signed up for a year you're not making long-term commitments and then we've got, obviously, content from uh, people like PureMix, and then there's Groove3. So there's a lot of material there. Um, whilst we're looking at sort of paid-for content uh, in terms of yeah, the likes of Groove3 and, and PureMix, um, Audrey, where do you turn to uh, for training help in this sort of, se- in this sort of area?
2: So I, I mean, I, I do spend a lot of time on the production expert uh, websites. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as paid training goes, I I tend to be willing to pay for something that I would go to in person, um, just because I f- I feel like that is a different experience where you can ask questions, it's more interactive, more hands-on, or ideally it is. Um, and there, there is something to having someone just in the room e- explaining and kind of going over stuff like I, I also did mix with the masters um, last Ooh. year
0: who, who did you who did you do uh, Sylvia did- Massey <laughs> oh cool I went and cool.
2: v- yes attended with her um, yeah and it was it was great and and obviously that's a paid thing and um, I, I feel like it, that was definitely worth every penny um, as far as yeah I, I, I would think that most of my casual stuff is either unpaid that I'm I'm uh consuming or um is something like waves will have a master class and uh it's a sign up and rsvp kind of thing so i think that even though that is free there's that it's at this scheduled time so there's kind of an incentive to like oh i have to go and do this now less than just you know coming across something on youtube Mm
1: -hmm. james what about you in this in this sort of sector of uh video tutorial type stuff
0: it's funny that you just said the word video as well um do you remember before back before dvd and back before online (laughs) there was a thing called a video cassette oh what
2: no i'm kidding (laughs) i do know what that is
0: (laughs) have you ever played one (laughs) I Honestly? have, yeah. I do
2: have this. I have a stash of random ones from my childhood that I have kept and have no way to play back currently, but I have played VHS before. Okay,
0: so so as most of you will know, I'm actually a drummer um, with um, a, a engineer producer's hat in disguise. Um, and I used to buy tutorial videos. And I remember buying a set of three Dave Weckel drumming videos because it wasn't just about drumming. It was about tech and studio. And I thought, well, if a drummer is going to, you know, a drummer whose sound I like is going to teach me audio tech stuff, you know, win win. Winner winner, chicken dinner and all that. And on the second of the three videos, he talked about this thing called sound level pressure. And I went, that, that doesn't sound right and all the way through this video he's going sound level pressure sound level pressure and I'm like I'm sure it's SPL sound pressure level Mm -hmm. in the next video he said okay for all of you who've watched the first video I'm so sorry (laughs) oh I did Um, but of course this was back in the day when you didn't do a reshoot for something like that you just apologised back for it later Um, Mm -hmm. so A even the pros make mistakes Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean I I subscribe to a couple of things now um as well as us, because I'm because I'm trying to push my my dance music chops and and just you know kind of make myself a bit more EDM and loops and um, program drums and drum machines and all this kind of sc- scary stuff that I used to go, no, <laughs> don't like that. Um, one of the things I've actually subscribed to is a thing called Masterclass, because there's two really good ones on there that are very music focused, um, sort of dance and EDM focused. One's by a guy called Armin van Burden uh, and the other one is by Dead Mouse, oh. And I've worked my way through both of these. And they're really, really good, really interesting, very kind of hands-on, very kind of this is how we do it type thing. You know, not necessarily using the tools that I use, but using stuff I can certainly relate to and go, yeah, right. I could do that like this, you know, and all that sort of thing. So um, so is Masterclass a site? Masterclass is a, is a site, yeah, masterclass.com. Um, but it's not just music. Gordon Ramsay's teaches you how to cook. Oh, right. Um oh. Kevin Spacey, maybe not Kevin Spacey anymore. Take that one out, that's for sure. <laughs> um let me have a quick look who's who's on the the current list. And uh, so Tim Peake, the astronaut teaches you how to be an astronaut. Um Gordon Ramsay teaches you how to cook, Natalie Portman how to act. Um Steve I Martin like how to do being comedy, an- you know. Some serious, some serious top end people on this this list. I haven't worked my way through all of them because there's hundreds, but certainly the Gordon Ramsay one I quite fancy doing because it's Gordon Ramsay. And hey, Um, there's another really one I'd like to do, work my way through, which is How to Score for Film by Uh, Hans Zimmer, I would have thought. Hans Hans Zimmer, exactly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, let's face it. It was Hans Zimmer or John Williams, and John Williams probably doesn't need the money. Actually, he it <laughs> Hans Zimmer. But anyway, um, so yeah, they're very they're very different. Then it's not all music tech. It's not all how to use a compressor to get a great bass drum sound. It's much more. Um, much more open than that because I'd like to say I, I, I think I'm quite good at working stuff out. You know, working stuff out what sounds good, how to use this thing and maybe for that I will probably look at the the tutorial videos that come with a particular product because normally, you know, they tend to get their own product right, don't they? Tend yeah. to. Tend- um, yeah. <laughs> and normally, if, if they haven't done a tutorial, Eli's done one first. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I normally know how to find those as well. But, um, the, uh, I don't want to give too much away about future articles. So I don't want to give too much away about the other thing that I'm doing at the moment. But um, yeah, certainly Masterclass is a good good of call. If I want to learn a subject, not to learn a particular thing, not, not to dive into the minutiae of a thing, like what does that particular setting on this plugin do? That's definitely a go and look at the product manufacturer or go and talk to Eli normally Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I agree I'm definitely uh, I I like to go out to things and meet people and ask questions I'm definitely the person who was always sat at the front being the annoying Mm -hmm. one asking questions Um, I remember driving um, from London to Oxford which doesn't sound like it should be that far but it's a good couple of hours two and a half hours each way in bad traffic um, to watch a free demo of Melodyne and sitting at the front and the guy said, I know you. I said, <laughs> uh, you know my voice.
2: Uh, yeah.
0: And it was only right at the end he sussed and he went, I'm so embarrassed. I went, no, 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 no. I'm, I should be the embarrassed one that I don't know this already. Um, and he was really good and he went through a load of stuff and a load of kind of way more in-depth stuff than he planned on going through. It was actually at SAE in Oxford. Oh. Um, so that it was full of SAE students and me, basically. <laughs> but it was really good. I'd say I'm, I'm much more... Uh, I I want to kind of hear it from the person. I I think why I like video as a a learning format Mm. rather than reading manuals and stuff. Mm. I've done my fair share of manual reading, and I think that's why I'm not so much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move on to formal education, which was the sort of next section of the article. Uh, And if we can fairly briefly outline our our own formal education. Um, Audrey... Did you have a formal education in this industry?
2: I do, actually. I um, have a degree in recording and music technology uh, from a college that's actually, sadly, no longer around in Wisconsin. Um, And then I have a degree in entertainment and media business. So that... Yeah thank you. Um well those those I mean those complement very each other or each other very well in um, you know being an owner of the studio. Um that being said I do get a lot of people who ask me if that is the best way to go for them and honestly for me it was just because it put me in front of the gear it put me in front of people who knew the answers to questions I was going to have um and so that was a the audio portion was a two-year degree um and yeah i met a lot of really amazing people and I mean even just for the networking alone it, it was pretty worth it so what about you James?
0: I went to the School of Hard Knocks. No, um, <laughs> no, I did my degree at what is um, now London Metropolitan University, was then London Guildhall University. Um, one of the best things about going to Guildhall was when people say, oh, Guildhall, you go, yeah, just Guildhall, because there is, of course, the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, which everyone thinks I went to. <laughs> right. um, okay, thank you for I, clarifying that one. <laughs> but I didn't. Um, uh, and then, but I, I would say I probably did... Okay. I did my degree. I finished it. I got a degree. I have the piece of paper. You know, I didn't actually turn up to wear the silly hat because I was away working, but hey. Um, But I would say my first year I attended 99% of lectures. Uh, In my second year, midway through, I had started working in pop video production and probably attended, let's go 55, 60% of lectures. And by my third year, I was working full time in the industry. So I went to bugger all lectures and I'm really surprised I actually got my degree. But I did because I attended on <laughs> my course working on time. Um, but by that point, I was working in the industry. So yes, I did do a degree, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say I did a degree, if you mm. know what I mean. I, I was very much, I went to, I came to London to to move to London, to be in the scene. Now, at the time, I thought I was going to go much more into the straight music performing thing, which obviously I've done for many years. But, and, and the whole tech thing, the gear thing was always a, a, a you know, it was to get a proper, a, to get a science degree effectively, to get a BSc mm-hmm. rather than a BA. Cause I thought at the time, well, that sounds better on a, on a CV rather than, a, or a resume. Um, but I, I think I've, I've pro- it's probably opened a couple of doors for me, but certainly not. I mean, my degree was technically called music and instrument technology. Um, the particular college I went to or part of the university I went to, which was, was previously known as the London College of Furniture. Um, and it's where basically if you tune pianos in the UK, you probably studied there. Wow. Um, they had a big instrument, early instrument restoration facility, like harpsichords, clavichords, oh, pianos, cool. all that sort of stuff. Um, lots of kind of Lutherers and Luthiers, uh, making, uh, all sorts of acoustic guitars and electric guitars. I actually did, did a module on building bass guitars, uh, building snare drums, building all sorts of instruments and studio stuff. At the time, I actually wasn't all that into the studio thing because I was spending most of my time in the studio and other places. So I didn't really concentrate on that at college. I wanted to do all the other stuff, get my hands dirty and get the woodwork tools out, things like that. But, um, so, yes, I, I did officially do a degree, but I wouldn't necessarily say I gave it my all, should we say. It It, it got me where I needed to be, which in my right. opinion was London. Um, yep. And I'm still here for now, somehow. <laughs> well, uh, back in the day, everybody
1: take a <laughs> <Hey> drink. <me. laughs> um, I did an apprenticeship. Uh, I wasn't academic enough to do... Uh, degree i mean academically i i had a, a sort of um roller coaster so at one stage i was academically very doing very well uh, and then suddenly i had a dip and i had my dip at the beginning uh, of my a levels
0: you found girls and beer didn't you no neither actually <laughs> but,
1: uh, basically i decided that this this academic stuff wasn't going to have any practical use uh, and that probably really says it all um so i i struggled with a levels um but i managed to get one e which is all i needed to get into an apprenticeship uh, with get into an apprenticeship scheme at marconi's yeah the original event mm-hmm. again another company etc that is no more but um Obviously, the, the yes, that same Marconi who who invented radio, um, and I did a, a technical apprenticeship. So I I got what we call in the UK an H an ONC and an HNC. So these were vocational qualifications rather mm-hmm. than a degree. So they were a, a peg down, if you like, in terms of uh, academic standard, but obviously much more practical, and of course. Uh, I was studying college part time, well, sort of in blocks of ten, twelve weeks, and then spending blocks of time uh, in the industry. So the first year, I-, I went through the Marconi training school, so learnt to do technical drawing the Marconi way, learnt to do soldering to military standards, etc. Because oh, wow. again, Marconi's is this, you know different parts of Marconi's will make uh, space and defence. So, um. Uh, but I got into broadcasting. Uh, Marconi's at that point was still uh, just about in the broadcast world, and uh, so I did that in terms of my official um, training. So I was training to be an electronics engineer. So I got an HNC in electronics, um, and but I was, you know, in the evenings and weekends doing the creative side so i got into hospital radio so that's where i got my love of radio um which again i was doing presentation as well as obviously building the radio station keeping it technically on air but that always i feel gave me a real insight and and as i developed my uh, career in radio when I was dealing with with presenters, I knew exactly what they were struggling with, what the issues were, because I'd done it, or I, I wasn't doing it to the same kind of standard as them, but I certainly had a very you know, real-world view of it. And then also working in uh, the company Social Club, so we'd have lots of acts turn up you know, on the circuit, and we would be expected to do lights and sound for them. So, uh, And then I was very much involved in the amateur dramatics and operatics uh, sector that That was very vibrant in Chelmsford, which is in the UK. Oh no, he wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, that, so it was again, you you know, a bit like yourself, James. It was, yeah. I had the academic part, the 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 formal education, perhaps part, but also getting involved in the business and doing it and. outside of those hours and progressively again I was working virtually full-time in Marconi's because their only audio specialist retired whilst I was going through my apprenticeship and so I became their audio specialist so anyway (laughs) and then um, so that really set me up uh, and I don't regret it I don't regret not having a degree Uh, I feel that my vocational qualifications and and my track through with doing everything else has, has set me up very, very well. Okay, uh, looking at the clock, um, we are um, whittling on some. We are. <laughs> so, uh, okay, let's move along.
0: The Pro Tools Expert podcast is created using Source Connect now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio connection or quality can be. Even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser. No software to install. Get yourself a free account by following the link in the podcast notes down there. Can I? I haven't done it for ages. Please, can I? Please. Just please. Go on. please. It's time for Find of the Week. (laughs) Sponsored by RSP Audio Solutions. RSP
1: Audio carries every great audio interface on the market from brands like Universal Audio, Focusrite, Apogee, Avid, Burl, Antelope, RME, and more. Not sure which interface to buy? Then RSPE's team can help you find the perfect interface to fit your workflow, and most importantly, budget. You can either shop online at the link in the podcast notes, or you can contact their team with any questions
0: you might have. James, what's your finding this week? Right, you're all expecting some extremely expensive rack-mounted thing with lights and stuff like that, yes, right? Yes, because that's well, normal. what week, it is. this week, <laughs> I shall not disappoint
2: you. Um,
0: <laughs> I got back from my holidays to find, waiting for me, um, a rather lovely Antelope Audio Goliath HD Gen 3. Yummy, is all I can say. Um uh, there's several articles going to be coming about this baby because quite frankly it's stirred up quite a um, a level of discussion online mm-hmm. thus far um, but from an audio Sonics and operation point of view it is quite glorious. I am talking to you via it right now um, it you know it's everything that I've come to know and love from Antelope. It's really easy to use. Um, There's a lot going on. It's as complex or as deep as you want to go with it. Um, It ticks several boxes for me from a um, recording, mixing, tracking, and trying to make videos showing how to do all these things because it's actually technically quite demanding sometimes to do what we do from a point of it's all very well doing the recording, but doing a recording of doing a recording and showing it is quite difficult sometimes um and devices like this where you can route everything to everything else in triplicate and capture everything with or without effects and all that sort of stuff is very very handy so um yeah i've, I've literally scratched the surface of it not l- literally because that would be <laughs> oh, no. damage. Um, but it's very very nice um yeah plenty of articles to come off the back of this thing um it's filled in my last rack space <laughs> oh, <Boom. dear.
2: laughs>
0: Now what I have to do is buy some more range.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: bigger studio. Oh, Audrey, that, what that'll be next yeah <laughs> Audrey, what's your finder this week?
2: Uh, My find is something that's actually uh, a little old. I guess it's been available since 2012, but uh, on the last time I was on the podcast, Julian recommended uh, Neumann Recording Tools app for me. Um, I do a lot of choir and orchestra and like classical ensemble recording, and this is an app that is uh, supposed to help you uh, figure out your optimum mic array setups for stereo recording. Um, So there's this graphic Um, You open up the app and um, there, there are actually two tools. One is the recording angle calculator and there is a gain and level calculator, which I have not played with yet. Um, but the recording angle you basically you set up your mics um, where the ensemble sounds good um, to you anyway and um, then on the app you can adjust how close your mics are to the ensemble and it gives you like a little readout of what degree your mics should be at and uh, kind of shows you the you know where they're going to be picking everything up you can switch between uh, whatever pickup pattern you're using um, if you're an X ex- Blumline. Um, You know, it's pretty, it's a pretty cool little, little thing. Um, And I'm just kind of starting to play with it a little bit. Um, I used it yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday I had a, a small orchestra recording and I set up my mics and I thought, oh, you know, I'll just see what how my current setup looks like on the app, and you know, see if I need to make any adjustments or anything based on what the app tells me. And um, everything looked good there, so you know, happy that my instincts of doing my good old XY uh, tend to work. Um, but I thought it was a cool thing, and it's gonna, you know, kind of prompt me to experiment with some other mic configurations that I maybe have not tried as much. So, thought it was kind of interesting. Mm. Um, yeah. What about you, Mike?
1: Well, we uh, both my- want to know.
2: <laughs> Mine
1: <My laughs> is um, my new shed. Great, uh, hey,
0: he's a man Yay. with a shed at yeah, last. Yeah, well, yeah. But
1: <laughs> I should, I should probably preface this by: it is not a workshop, it is not a studio, it is a storage facility, uh, and I do stress facility because it's not small. We had two sheds that had more than passed their um, sell-by date. Uh, they were. Rotting, almost literally, we'd gone through the floor in a couple of places. On one of them, the roof was uh, disappearing. Uh, When we lifted the sheds, we found that um, rodents had uh, made beds in underneath shelves and underneath the shed. Anyway, I'll I'll spare you the rest (laughs) of those details. But um, so we now have one brand new big shed that uh, that's now occupies that same space uh and i've just f- pretty well finished putting everything back in it uh today uh so no it's storage facility definitely is it describes its uh size and
0: uh its requirements nice <laughs> men in sheds oh, and yes. girls in sheds as well but it's a phrase rather than a thing <laughs> yes yeah.
2: <laughs> I have a church, I don't have a shed yet anyway.
0: Uh, which is looking spectacular <laughs> yes. by the way. Oh,
2: thank you. One of the
0: best things about social media is that obviously we can keep up with the stuff that's going on in church and by that I mean your new gaff. <laughs> yes. It looks amazing.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's it's coming together and it has to in a month or less. So How yeah. do the bells sound? You know, we actually went up to the Bell Tower uh, this weekend for the first time. We we had to get an extension ladder to be able to reach because the access point is, um, I think, 18 feet off the ground. So even, wow. yeah, the extension ladder barely works to get all the way up there. Um, but this thing is probably like four or five feet across um, and is is just huge. Um, obviously we did not ring it while we were up there. Um, but <laughs> it's got two mechanisms to ring it. It can either rotate a wheel which then swings the bell back or forth or there's a hammer that can go up and hit it. And I mean, yeah, for for the one bell it is, it's it's pretty loud. It it's got, you know, I don't know. Seems to sound okay. I'm gonna probably try to sample it at some point. But um, yeah, I don't know. And it's see how many
0: fun. how many projects it can it can make its way into surreptitiously
2: right well i just recorded the um an early music ensemble who was playing the score to the silent version of hunchback of notre dame so i was like oh well i have some church bells if we need church bells <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see
1: <laughs> okay on that uh, revelation uh, it's a good night from me
0: it's a good night from me
2: and it's a good night from me
0: good night